Peace be upon you. One of the typical tactics of atheists, secular fundamentalists, and disbelievers is to try to suppress the mention of God and God's religion in public life. The mechanism they typically use to try to do this is through the claim of separation of church and state. While this discussion will focus on this tactic in the United States, I'm hoping that the lesson resonates irrespective of your geography. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution prevents the government from making laws that regulate an establishment of a state religion, or that would prohibit the free exercise of religion, or abridge the freedom of speech as well as other things. Though the exact words separation of church and state do not appear in the First Amendment, the Establishment Clause was intended to separate church from state. When the First Amendment was adopted in 1791, the Establishment Clause applied only to the federal government and prohibited the federal government from any involvement in establishing a state religion. By 1833, all the states had followed suit and provided protections for religious liberty in state constitutions. Eventually, the U.S. Supreme Court applied the Establishment Clause to the states through the 14th Amendment. Today, the Establishment Clause prohibits all levels of government from either advancing or inhibiting religion. This was not meant to subvert religion, but instead to allow people to worship freely and restrain the government from forcing their religion on the people. So the intent of this was for the freedom of religion, to not have the government mandate a religion for the people. The clever trick that disbelievers utilize is to claim that their belief structure and ideology is not a form of a religion, and therefore attempt to skirt the spirit of the law through this supposed interpretation. Recently, the author and researcher Michael Schellenberger and Peter Bogasian, a philosopher who recently resigned his post at Portland State University in response to wokist repression, constructed a woke religion taxonomy. The taxonomy includes seven artifacts of the woke ideology, characterized by racism, climate change, trans, crime, mental illness, drugs, and homelessness. What they did then was for each of these categories, they showed their religious dogma associated with each belief system as it cuts across 10 religious categories. And these 10 categories that they established, they have striking parallelisms to religious creeds where you see, for instance, they have uh, original sin. They have guilty devils and sins that are conducted within their religion. They have blasphemies and blasphemy laws as far as what speech is acceptable. And what they found was the surprising how straightforward it was to fill in each category and their parallels with religious dogma. But it's easy to just call it a religion. The question is, is there Quranic precedent to show that even the supposed atheist, the non-believer, not only worships, but has their own religion? Surah 109 of the Quran is entitled, The Disbelievers, Al-Kafirun. And we read in this surah, it says, In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, say, O you disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship. This is clearly indicating that the disbeliever, despite not believing in God, is still committing the act of worship. And it continues, it says, Nor do you worship what I worship, nor will I ever worship what you worship, nor will you ever worship what I worship. To you is your religion, and to me is my religion. So it's showing that even the disbeliever has a religion, that irrespective if they acknowledge it or not, God is confirming that the disbelievers worship and the disbelievers have a religion. 
So what does these terms mean to worship and to have a religion? Because a disbeliever, an atheist, is going to vehemently deny that they do such things. In Arabic, the word abad means to worship, but it also means to serve. So therefore, whatever person ultimately serves, whatever cause that is, that is what they are worshiping. To determine what a person ultimately serves, simply determine what is it that they give the most priority to? What is it that they love more than anything else in this world? And that becomes their object of worship. In Surah 9 verse 24, it reads, Proclaim, if your parents, your children, your siblings, your spouses, your family, the money you have earned, a business you worry about, the homes you cherish are more beloved to you than God and His messenger, and striving in His cause, then just wait until God brings His judgment. God does not guide the wicked people. Whatever it is that we make our top priority in our lives, whatever it is that we love the most, that becomes the object of our worship. So if the thing a person cares about most is their family, their career, their social status, their material possessions like a car, a home, or a money, then these become their idol and these become their God. As believers, the thing we love the most is God alone. Therefore, the thing we prioritize over everything else in our life is that the worship of God and striving in His cause. The way we do this is by giving our worship practices priority over all other aspects of our life. God gives us the example of the importance of dropping all other obligations when it comes to the Jummah Friday prayer. In Surah 62, verse 9 through 11, it reads, O you who believe, when the congregational prayer Salat al-Jummah is announced on Friday, you shall hasten to the commemoration of God and drop all business. This is better for you if you only knew. Once the prayer is completed, you may spread through the land to seek God's bounties and continue to remember God frequently, that you may succeed. When some of them come across a business deal or some entertainment, they rush to it and leave you standing. Say, what God possesses is far better than the entertainment or the business. God is the best provider. As believers, our number one priority is the worship of God alone. That we will drop all business and entertainment to make sure that our worship to God alone takes priority over anything else. And when we do that, we show that our God is the Lord of the universe and not our entertainment and not our jobs, or our careers, or our social status, that the thing that gives us the most value, the most meaning in life is our worship practices to God, Lord of the universe. Our utmost love for God must be indivisible if we truly worship God alone. In Surah 33 verse 4 it reads, God did not give any man two hearts in his chest. This means that our love for God must be greater than any other love we have in this world. This doesn't mean that we can't love our spouses, our children, our family, our friends. But our love for God must supersede all of those. In the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24, it reads, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will devote it to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this confirms for us what it means to worship. What is it that the disbelievers worship is whatever they give the top priority to. And we will look at some of these modern-day atheistic religions that are prevailing. But what about religion? In Arabic, the word for religion, as used in Surah 109, is the word deen. This word deen also has another meaning, which means judgment. Therefore, our religion, our deen, is reflected by how we judge 
between right and wrong. A person's judgment will depend on what they determine to be their source of truth. So whatever we use as our metric to determine right and wrong, whatever that source of truth is, that becomes the foundation of our religion. If someone is upholding the laws of men over the laws of God when they contradict, then it's showing that they are upholding the laws of men as their religion. In Surah 5 verse 49 through 50 it reads, You shall rule among them in accordance with God's revelations to you. Do not follow their wishes and beware lest they divert you from some of God's revelations to you. If they turn away, then know God wills to punish them for some of their sins. Indeed, many people are wicked. Is it the law of the days of ignorance they seek to uphold? Whose law is better than God's for those who have attained certainty? It is our utmost duty, if we believe in God alone, that we use God's words as our determining factor to decide between what is morally right and wrong, what is sinful and what is righteous. The second we start using other sources to determine what is morally right and wrong, then it is a sign that that is our source of our religion. If our judgment is based on what scholars dictate upon us, or imams, or muftis, at the expense of what God tells us in His revelations, then these scholars, these priests become our idols. In Surah 9 verse 31 it reads, They have set up the religious leaders as scholars as lords instead of God. Others defied the Messiah son of Mary. They were all commanded to worship only one God. There is no God except He be He glorified high above having partners. As believers, again, our source of right and wrong comes directly from God. If God tells us something in the Quran as far as what is acceptable and what is sinful, and a scholar comes and gives us contradictory information and we follow that source, then that source becomes our idol. In Surah 6 verse 121, God gives us the example. It reads, Do not eat from that upon which the name of God has not been mentioned, for it is an abomination. The devils inspired their allies to argue with you. If you obey them, you will be idol worshippers. God is giving us a very clear lesson here that if we follow another source that contradicts the Quran with other commandments that are not found in the Quran, then that other source becomes our idol and therefore we would be deemed idol worshippers. Now, if our judgment is based on our feelings rather than what God says in His scriptures, then our egos become our God. In Surah 25 verse 43 it reads, Have you noted the one whose God is his own ego? Will you be his advocate? This word for ego in this verse is hoa. Hoa means our personal whims and desires, whatever feels good at that moment. The second we start going with our own opinions over what God tells us in his scripture, then it shows that we're setting ourselves up as a deity next to God. Now if our judgment comes from whatever cultural mores is popular at that time, then these poets of our time become our God. These celebrities, these musicians, the ones who are on TikTok giving heedless messages of nonsense that completely contradict the Quran. If we follow those sources other than what God tells us in the scripture, then these individuals become our gods. In Surah 26 verse 224 through 226 it reads, As for the poets, they are followed only by the strayers. Do you not see that their loyalty shifts according to the situation and that they say what they do not do? In a previous episode, we looked at Ben Henderson's 
concept of luxury beliefs. These are beliefs that the elect utilize, that they don't apply towards themselves, just like the poets. That they'll tell people to do all kinds of sinful behavior that they know for themselves is destructive, because this is what is socially popular at that time. Now, there is an alternative. If, on the other hand, our judgment to determine what is morally right or wrong comes from the words of God alone, then our religion is the worship of God alone. In Surah 6, verse 114 through 115, we read, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he has revealed to you this book fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hearer, the omniscient. So from these examples, it's clear that everyone worships, that everyone has a religion, irrespective if you're a believer or a disbeliever, if you're an atheist or a God-fearing individual. Every single person worships and every single person has a religion. And what's interesting is, again, the way the disbelievers try to get a foothold in society is by using this establishment clause of separation of church and state to claim that their ideology, that their worship practices, their religion is exempt from the separation of church and state. So disbelievers attempt to use the government to suppress any speech that they deem from a God-centric religion and instead to do a full court press to impose their religious understandings on the masses through the tenets they live by be it wokeism ideology, anti-racism, Marxism, LGBTQism, climate alarmism, or any other of these anti-God religions. What is particularly troubling about this is that ears, unlike eyes, cannot be easily closed from hearing. Instead, the only thing one can try to do is to ignore. But this is not the same, because irrespective of whether we like it or not, the loudest speech will be forced into the minds of people who potentially disagree with the message to sway the individual to the speaker's point of view. By having the government force this ideology onto the masses, either through their employees or through the state or through schools or other government programs, they're indoctrinating people with this propaganda. So by attempting to suppress God-conscious speech and at the same time amplify their own ideologies, they're pushing the religion of disbelief on both fronts. Firstly, by suppressing dissenting voices, individuals who are giving counter-arguments to this nonsense. And secondly, by amplifying their own message to make sure that corporate media, Hollywood, TV shows, Netflix, YouTube, all these entities are propagating their messaging. So let's take a look at some of these satanic ideologies that are being propagated by the state through our schools, through mass media, and deconstruct them to understand what is it that they prioritize and ultimately serve, as well as where are they getting their guidelines to what is morally right or wrong. One of the newest satanic religions that is gaining much traction is that of anti-racism. This religion is being propagated by their false prophets, that of Tanahasi Coates, Ibram X. Kendi, and Robin D'Angelo, to name a few. Their central belief is that the country is systematically racist, and their primary mission is to dismantle all structures they deem to produce an uneven outcome for people of color. Their method 
for how to best achieve this outcome is probably best articulated by Kendi himself who stated, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. This shows that their determination of right and wrong is not based on morality or justice like the Quran does, but instead is based on the concept of equity. Practitioners of anti-racism are advocating for discrimination that they believe discrimination is justified as long as it reaches equity in society. Now this couldn't be further away from the message of God in the Quran that every individual, irrespective of religion or creed, should be treated fairly, that we have a just system, that no one is above the law. But for these practitioners, they want to say that they are allowed to and even encouraged to trample on the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of other individuals in order for them to further their own cause. They propel this to such extents to justify looting, rioting, and they promote this on national media as if this is a noble act. And now these false prophets have gotten bed with government officials to propagate this message to the masses while having the audacity to claim that this is not a religion. Or take the other popular religion of climate alarmism. These individuals propagate such anti-godly messages as human beings are cancer to the world and that human populations are exceeding the earth's capacity and therefore encourage individuals to stop having children and promote abortions. And it's these kinds of ideologies that have left millions of people dead, have left mass famine and starvation because these individuals, they suppress human progress with their fear-mongering and their Armageddon that the world is going to end in the next 12 years, despite making that claim for decades now that is yet to come true. And now they use the strong arm of the government to force such things as ESG scores, to curb technological advancement, to fund totally frivolous programs at the expense of the masses because they're propagating a religion. They're being absolutely irrational in their understanding. So for these individuals who are practitioners of climate alarmism, their source of truth is that the world is going to end unless human beings cease to exist. And they're willing to go to extreme length to justify these kind of atrocities to the point that their determination of right and wrong is how is it going to impact the climate? And it has nothing to do with the well-being of other individuals. Or the latest new age godless religion is that of wokeism, which combines the previous ideologies and ties it in with postmodernism as well as intersectionality. That there's a hierarchy, everything is a power dynamic. And the ones who are the most oppressed or the most marginalized are the ones who should have the loudest voice and the most say in society. Their ultimate truth is that sex is not binary and people can be whatever they self-identify as. So from this we get terms like birthing people and the dismantling of the nuclear family. This religion glorifies individuals who are oppressed and aims to divide people into categories and pronouns as the ultimate truth to upend the white cisgender male patriarchy into their illiberal ideologies based on their sexualization of children and tearing down the moral fabric of society. 
Because for this group of people, there is no right and wrong. Everything is relative. Except if you say something that they deem offensive, a microaggression of some sort, that that is reason enough to be banished, to be canceled, to be fired from your job, to be persecuted. So from this we see that these disbelievers, they all follow a religion. They all have a source of worship. That all these commonalities is that they're ultimately anti-God. God tells us in the Quran that we have one of two choices in this world. Either we worship God or we follow the missteps of Satan and Satan becomes our God. In Surah 36, verse 60 through 62, it reads, That I not covenant with you, O children of Adam, that you shall not worship the devil, that he is your most ardent enemy, and that you shall worship me alone. This is the right path. He has misled multitudes of you. Did you not possess any understanding? So how do believers stand up to this nonsense aside from seeking refuge in God from such ideologies? God gives us this answer in the following verse in Surah 5 verse 54. It reads, O you who believe, if you revert from your religion, then God will substitute in your place people who he loves and who love him. They will be kind with the believers, stern with the disbelievers, and will strive in the cause of God without fear of any blame. Such is God's blessing, he bestows it upon whomever he wills. God is bounteous, omniscient. If we want to prove our faith and devotion to God, we should always stand on the side of justice. We should never be intimidated by these heathens who propagate their nonsense through government institutions, through corporate media. If we turn away and we start becoming complacent to this ideology, this messaging, and we fear standing up, God will substitute other people in our place. As believers, God tells us we have to be kind with the believers, stern with the disbelievers, and strive in His cause without fear of any blame. As believers, we should not be afraid of what these individuals may do to us, the, the ridicule, the accusations, because they are the ones who should be afraid. In the words of Abraham in Surah 6 verse 81, it says, Why should I fear your idols? It is you who should be afraid, since you worship instead of God idols that are utterly powerless to help you. Which side is more deserving of security if you know? The real security, the real absence of fear happens in the presence of God. God tells us that a mandatory test for every believer is the possibility of being mocked and ridiculed and insulted for our beliefs. But this is the time when it really shows where do we stand? Are we with God or do we buy into these satanic ideologies? God tells us that if we do the things that please Him, He will provide us with an unwavering support. In Surah 3 verse 160 it reads, If God supports you, none can defeat you. And if He abandons you, who else can support you? In God, the believers shall trust. So to recap, this premise that religion is only limited to those who believe in God is factually false. Everyone worships. Everyone has a religion. Whatever it is that we serve, that is our ultimate cause in life, that becomes our God. Whatever it is that we use to determine between what is morally right and wrong, that becomes our religion. And from that, we can deconstruct any other religion to determine where its fallacies lie. And it's times like these that is going to determine who the real believers are, who are the ones who become complacent, and who are the ones who stand up for the truth. 
And God affirms us that if we do the things that please Him, if we support His cause and striving in His cause over any other thing in our life, that He will give us not only an unwavering support, but He will reward us in this world and in the hereafter. And this is the greatest victory anyone can ask for. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to the QuranStudyApp.com website. And if you like the podcast, please leave us a review. And until next time, peace and God bless.